Now batting for the Cubs corner, the host, Anthony Pasquale. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Cubs Corner. I'm your host, Anthony Pasquale, and as always, this episode is brought to you by Coach's Bar and Grill. Coach is located over at 6169 North Northwest Highway on the northwest side of Chicago. Make sure to get over there before the Cubs season ends for a couple of games or, of course, Bears season rolling right around. Sundays will be popping over at Coach's. Today's episode, we've got a very fun show planned, and one of our favorite guests, Tony Andraki from Marquee Sports, is back on the show. T- thanks for coming on, Tony. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. In our last episode, we did right before the Field of Dreams game, right after the trade deadline, and I'll get your thoughts on the trade deadline in just a second, but you were there in Iowa, correct? Yeah, I was, yeah. How was, how was that experience like? Could you describe it for us? Yeah, of course. It was awesome. I mean, I like, and I mean that in every sense of the word, not in the sense of like so many people define or use awesome in so many different ways, but like, you know, the true definition, like inspiring awe, like that, that's truly how I felt when I was there. It was, I had high expectations and I think they vastly exceeded expectations. Um, it was, it was one of the coolest things that I've ever covered in my career. Um, honestly, I was, asking and talking to other colleagues there who had not covered the Cubs playoff runs and World Series run of 16, and they asked where it would rank. And I was like, honestly, this the fall of 2016 is top for me in terms of coolest experiences. And then this was right after that. Um, it's something that I feel like I'll always remember. I thought it was very, very well done from MLB's perspective. Uh, it turned out to be just an absolutely gorgeous day, not too hot, you know, perfect sun the sun setting was incredible the way mlb handled it with like ken griffey jr and senior coming out was amazing so many stars and and former mlb players and hall of famers there and and then just the aspect of like playing catch like i played catch with uh my colleague andy martinez and cubs.com jordan bastion before the game for a little bit like we worked up a pretty good lather running around and throwing the baseball (laughs) on the movie set field um and then after at the end of the evening uh, we were over there with a couple other people from the Cubs beat as well and playing catch again on the field. And um, Andy had a glove that is from like the, I don't even know, it's an 80 plus year old glove, like catcher's glove that supposedly caught Satchel Page in one game. And it was one of those where like, it's basically just kind of like a pillow. Like it's nothing like the yeah. catcher's gloves today. So you need like two hands to catch. So we were on the movie set field and uh, like I squatted down and caught a few and he threw a few and, thrown on the second base and stuff like that so it was it was just a really awesome experience overall it was uh it was surreal in a lot of ways to be honest it doesn't feel like it was a real big league game and and it kind of sounds like it and I think the whole point of it all is it brings you back to when you were a kid like what made you fall in love with baseball and it it seems like even the beat reporters got to kind of experience that yeah a hundred percent I mean and honestly I think like the players did and they said that too but I think even before the game, you saw that. Like, one of my favorite memories from it is, you know, you, you truly do walk through the court and you come out pretty much right where Ray Liotta and all of those characters in the movie came out of the corn, and so to the movie set field. And so you come from the field where they played the game, out through there, and after the Cubs took their team photo in their uniforms, they walked through that part and they were on the movie set. And... As I parted, you know, I was a little bit behind them. I parted through the corn and looked out, and there were players everywhere. There was, like, Keegan Thompson over here playing bags with Eric Ullman and 
Michael Rucker, and then Drew Smiley was up on the tractor, Nico Horner was on a bench on the house, you know, that the, the movie took place, like on the set, and Christopher Morell is doing an interview here, and Marcus Stroman and Zach McKinstry and other guys are, like, taking photos coming out of the corn, and it was just a really cool thing. Patrick Wisdom was talking to, to his fans, including one guy who was trying to, you know, sell, like, a card app or whatever, um, and stuff like that. So there was a lot of, like, really cool aspects. Like, there were fans there. There were extras who were in the original movie who were still there. Um, obviously, media. It, it was a just all around very, very cool experience. And I think a lot of people just had a great time with it. Yeah, and that's that, I think, came across on TV as well. The Cubs win that game 4-2. to two. Um, but, you know, the ratings were a little bit down compared to last year. Obviously hard to top a game like that that the White Sox and the Yankees played, especially with the, the Reds and Cubs both kind of out of the, the playoff hunt. But I thought they did a really good job of incorporating both teams' franchises. Like, they may not be the best teams in the league this season, but there's no doubt that they're loaded with history. I think the Reds are the, the oldest team in baseball, and the Cubs aren't too far behind, you know, legends like Johnny Bench, Ernie Banks, and the list goes on and on from both teams. And a lot of those guys were there. Fergie threw the first pitch to, to Johnny Bench. That was awesome. And it feels like they, they really incorporated Cubs and Reds alumni pretty well. Yeah, they did for sure. I mean, it, it was very cool to see to see them out on the field. And, you know, I wasn't even 100% sure they were going to be out there with um, – with all the other Cubs players and, and like we said, Ken Griffey Jr. and Sr. as well. So it was it was just awesome all around. I mean, there was, you know, David Ortiz and Alex Rodriguez were there. And um, I saw Ben Zobrist, who, you know, hugged uh, Jed Hoyer, David Ross and stuff. Carlos Zambrano was there. Like, there were a lot of people that were around. I, it, I'm sure I'm forgetting somebody here, but it was, it was just pretty cool all around. It certainly sounds like it, and it followed – the trade deadline, which of course meant that with Wilson Contreras and Ian Happ staying in town, they were able to play in the the Field of Dreams game. But going back to just that, you know, they traded a lot of relievers. I think four ended up going: David Robertson, uh, Chris Martin, um, Scott Efros, and I'm blanking on the fourth to the Orioles. I can't remember. Or from the Michael Givens. That's right. Um, yeah. Those four ended up getting traded. Wilson Contreras, Ian Happ stay in Chicago. How shocking was that to you? Um, I was pretty surprised that that Wilson stayed for sure. I, I mean, I wouldn't say it was fifty fifty. I think I was leaning towards um, the possibility of Ian Happ being traded. I thought that seemed a little more likely than not. Uh, but yeah, I mean, if you had asked me earlier in the day, even uh, the you know on August, uh, yeah, August second, the trade deadline day. I would have said there's a hundred percent chance that Wilson was going to be traded that day. So I, I did not see that coming. I thought, you know, it made a lot of sense to trade him. I totally understand why they didn't. Um, you know, I do think he's a great leader to this team in, you know, one young pitchers out there uh, two his like competitive fire. And then three, just the, the big brother type of role that he is filled with Christopher Morrell and Nelson Velasquez and some of the Latin players that are coming up. I think, I think that's huge. And, and really with like the fan base and, um, and these guys coming up and, and trying to win, I think the Cubs are legit trying to win and end the season on a good note. And that gives the, the organization confidence, the front office, Chad's front office confidence in their adding some players this winter and, and you know, adding impact pieces as well that they're on the right track so I think for all those reasons I definitely understand why the Cubs didn't trade Wilson Contreras um, but that being said at the time I was surprised like everybody else I think 
Yeah, absolutely. It almost feels like some flashes of that 2014 team down the stretch winning some games, and eventually the Cubs went and signed John Lester and kind of sparked the rebuild right after that season. But I want to go back to, to Contreras specifically. Obviously, Hap has that other year of control. Contreras will be a free agent when the season ends in about a month and a half or so. When when the season ends and Wilson Contreras becomes a free agent, and assuming he signs somewhere else, the Cubs get a draft pick because they kept him until the end, right? Could you explain that? Yeah, so they could extend a qualifying offer to him, which would be, um, I don't know exactly how much it is. I think somewhere in the neighborhood of like 18 or $19 million, uh, which would essentially, it's like the franchise tag in the NFL. It would be worth one year, so for the 2023 season, and uh, if he accepts, then that's what he would be paid for the year. And he, you know, he would hit the market as a 31-year-old free agent catcher. Um, if he does not accept and hits free agency, and another team signs him, then the Cubs would get a, a draft pick. And based off of the way compensation works, as a team that you know, big market team that does not receive revenue sharing, their their compensation pick would come uh, after the second round, I believe. So, like, we're we're looking at somewhere in like the 60 to 65 range um so yeah so i mean uh, you know several options here one the cubs could sign wilson to a long-term deal two they could sign him you know he could accept the qualifying offer and play out uh 2023 for making roughly say 19 million dollars next season or uh the third option is he turns down the qualifying offer and hits a free agent market and the cubs would receive a draft pick around you know 60 to 65 uh, next summer, an extra pick, or obviously the other situation is the Cubs don't extend a qualifying offer. I, I don't necessarily see that happening. Um, I think that's probably the way things are going to go: is the qualifying offer, and then Wilson will make his choice. I, I don't know what choice he'll make. Obviously, that's up to him. Um, but I think that you know most players decline the the offer, the qualifying offer. They want to hit free agency with Wilson and his desire to stay here. I, maybe it is likely that he accepts next year and and feels confident about hitting the open market at, you know, 31 uh, just a year from now. So uh, I think that's certainly possible. I, I'm really curious to see what happens with that, specifically uh, from the Cubs end and then from Wilson's end. Yeah, it's certainly something to keep your eye on. And, and it's no secret that the Cubs did, you know, engage in talks with Contreras. And it seemed like from all the reports that their, their price for him was sky high. And in my opinion, as it should be, he's one of the best catchers in the league and provides so much more to this team. Um, you know, a lot of fans get outraged thinking, you know, how are we going to let him go for nothing? In theory, that draft pick that you get back wouldn't be nothing. Do you think it's, it's possible that, you know, Hoyer and company even thought what they would get as a return for him was going to be less value than that 60 to 65th pick in next year's draft? Yeah, definitely. I think that's really the main reason why. That's what Jed Hoyer pointed to right after the deadline and then talking, you know, even a, a little bit after that about it is just that the return wasn't what he and Carter Hawkins and the rest of the Cubs front office wanted. That wasn't, you know, they, they wanted a higher return. Um, and it seemed like teams weren't necessarily willing to meet that for Wilson or for Drew Smiley, who I thought also was, was near 100% locked to be dealt mm-hmm. and was not. Um, so I do think that that was important, but also, you know, as Jed said, like uh, just the value to the franchise for the next two months too. You know, he wasn't looking to completely blow the team up or follow in the 2021 footsteps of, you know, just trading away everything that wasn't nailed down kind of thing. Like 
he he does understand the value of having people that fans can cheer for and winning and clubhouse presence and you know how winning in august and september this year even if it's the, uh, on a team that isn't going to make the playoffs how that can carry over into next season and how creating and building a winning culture here is important so um yeah so i think you know really for all those things and obviously the, the aspect that the cubs didn't feel like they were getting a, a super high value for it um that they feel you know 60 again like maybe say 62 or 65 next year in terms of the comp pick that that would you know they would like that pick better. They would like three picks in the top 65 versus, you know, two. That, that's probably better than what the return is. I don't know exactly what the return was or what it was being offered. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I, that's really what it came down to is the Cubs didn't like the return capabilities as much as they uh, as much as they liked having him around and the option, obviously, of, of getting that extra draft pick. And today, of course, is the last day of August. The Cubs kept Contreras there on August 2nd. They went on to to lose that series against the Cardinals. But right after that, they started playing some pretty solid baseball. They won five of their next six series um, before this last uh, four-game losing streak here, two to the Brewers and two to the Blue Jays to open up that series. They were playing really good baseball and beating some pretty good teams, two out of three from the Brewers. They won that makeup game against Baltimore, and they played the Cardinals pretty tough too. It it does seem like things are, are kind of trending in the right direction. I think a, a big reason why is the way Nico Horner has played. You know, his average at the moment is almost 300, and I know that's not the, the biggest stat, but offensively and defensively, his value has been, you know, unprecedented compared to what was expected out of him. He leads the Cubs in, in war this season. Do you think that's a guy that they might explore an extension with early, similar to to what the Braves have been doing, locking up their players kind of before their name gets a little bigger? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think 100% that that is an option on the table and something that the Cubs would like to do. Um, you know, Jed Hoyer was asked about it and just said, like, without question, that is an option. Um, you know, he doesn't talk about negotiations, obviously, or, um, you know, any of that publicly or with the media. But, but yeah, I mean, I think that's that's fair. I think anybody looking at the way Nico has played this year and not only the way he's played, but just like the person he's been, the, the fact that he's developing as this leader and he's 25 years old. He, this is his first full big league season ever. And he is a leader in that clubhouse. I mean, he is a, um, a vocal leader. He is a guy who has been around winning and talks about winning and preaches winning and the right things. Like he does a lot of things the right way. It, on and off the field obviously on the field you know he's a superb defender like you said a 300 hitter he's had increasing power i think he has eight homers this year i didn't even know if he'd get to five this year and he's going to be flirting with double digits now um you know his his swing changes that he's made has been good he's stayed healthy which was the biggest question mark with him he's handled shortstop really well which was another question mark um i mean he's, he's absolutely blown by any any expectations or honestly even any hopes that like I would have said the Cubs would have had for him. You know, coming into this year, if you told me Nico was a three-war player who was a slightly above average defensive shortstop and a, a guy who would hit, you know, 300 with a 340 on base and a 370 slug and maybe hit a handful of homers, I'd be like, that's pretty solid. That that would be exactly what I would expect, and I would call that a really good year. Well, he's, he's doing better in pretty much every category with that. Um, so, yeah, I think, I think he's absolutely a guy the Cubs want to build around. Uh, I 
this is my gut feeling. I do believe that they are going to get an extension done with him. I do believe, I, I don't know exactly when that'll happen, but I would not be surprised if, you know, we're talking next August um, and the Cubs have, have an extension with Nico Horner in place. Like I could see something like that in play just because like you said, obviously there's a precedent out there with, with the way the Braves uh, have done that and locked up their young core players and Nico probably ranks at the top of the list in terms of young core players that Cubs want to keep around. So, um, yeah, absolutely. I, I, I definitely think Nico will will get an extension at some point, um, and you know, my gut says maybe pretty soon. And I also feel like, uh, from Judd's perspective, there has to be some type of pressure, I don't know if it's from outside or within, to make some extensions and take some of those risks early just because they didn't with anybody before you know Bryant Baez Rizzo Schwarber the list goes on with with the exception of Kyle Hendricks uh, they they didn't extend them let them walk and you know turned into the big blow up of 2021 and and now you've got this young core of players kind of rising up some obviously still in the minors but there are some players on that current team that they're going to want to be there for the the next wave of successful Cubs baseball maybe they take a page out of a book that they didn't write last time and do it yeah, definitely. There are a lot of young. I mean, Brennan Davis is one who's healthy and back on the field, and you know, hit a homer in AAA his first AAA game since May third last night. Um, you know, he's a guy that obviously the, the Cubs love. He's another. He's a very like polished person. Um, you know, really good person from all accounts. And my few interactions I've had with him and people I know that have interacted with him just rave about who he is as a person. You know, on the field, especially coming back from this injury, maybe. Um, a little question marks just because of the injury, but really, I mean, he was their top prospect in the organization for a couple of years for good reason. And he's a top 100 prospect in baseball. So he's a guy that I expect to be at Wrigley field next season and probably for a long time after that. Um, and yeah, you know, I, I definitely am curious to see what happens with, you know, guys like Justin Steele and Keegan Thompson who are younger, but more established. Um, Ian Happ, I don't know for sure, you know, about him, if he's going to next year will be his final season under team control and contract, maybe he does get an extension, you know, who knows? I, I think you know, Nick Madrigal as well is, is another one, but I think uh, it'll definitely be very interesting to see. And, you know, Marcus Stroman has an option for 2024, but is only technically signed through next year. Is he another guy to keep around, you know, and Hendricks, same thing, is only signed through the end of next year. Uh, officially with some options added in. So I, there are there are a lot of moves the Cubs could do for sure. I'm not quite sure, again, what they're going to do or how soon any of this is, is going to happen. But I think Nico was probably at the top of that list, maybe the first domino to fall in terms of extensions. And then I guess we'll see um, beyond that. But, but sure, a lot of these young players coming up could be a part of that. Um, obviously, the big question that the Cubs want to see first is like, let's get them up in the big leagues see if they can handle it first mm -hmm. and then figure it out from there. Yeah, absolutely. And you mentioned Justin Steele. He was the next guy I wanted to touch on. I mean, according to statistics, and, and it might not pass the eye test, not a lot of eyes are on the Cubs at the moment, but since the All-Star break, Justin Steele has been the best pitcher in baseball, according to the numbers. And, you know, we've gotten to see him kind of up close really emerge as a guy that you can build and anchor a rotation around. But how – how nice is that for the Cubs to know, you know, a guy like Steele or even Thompson who were big question marks and this season was kind of an audition to know that they're nailing it. 
Yeah, it's it's huge. I, I think that's really, you know, all the optimism I was talking about before about the way the Cubs are going into the offseason. Mm-hmm. I think that starts with Nico. Number two on that would be Justin Steele, and number three would be Keegan Thompson. I mean, all, any of the, the questions or concerns about these guys have not only been answered, but emphatically answered. Like, yes, these guys can belong up here. Uh, Nico can play shortstop. Steele and Thompson can be in the rotation moving forward. Now, maybe maybe Thompson ultimately is a, that multi-inning relief weapon we saw at the beginning of the year, where he was elite in that regard, and you know he was just okay and maybe above average as a starter, with obviously some consistency issues that he he and the Cubs would like to figure out. Um, you know, but that's he's a young player. This is the first time he's been starting in an extended period in the big leagues. So, um, you know, obviously a lot to understand there. But yeah, Justin Steele, I think, actually, I think it might have been your question when you were out there um, asking him, you know, about his his first big league start. Uh, it was at the one-year anniversary. Is that correct? Is that the one you asked? Yeah, it was. Yeah, so talking about, like, how much different of a pitcher he feels Steele does in the one year since he started. I loved his answer on that. It was, it was you know, I feel completely different, like completely different as a pitcher, completely different you know, and how he goes about everything. And honestly, even from the beginning of this season, he said he feels completely different in in game planning, how he's approaching things, uh, how he feels physically, how he's holding up physically, how he attacks hitters, how he uses his fastball. Like, you can go on and on. And so it's like, this is a guy that came up with good stuff, showed he could get big league hitters out last year, and now he's a different pitcher. And like you said, the best pitcher in the national, in in both leagues, sorry, over two-month stretch in ERA, like topping out over Justin Verlander, Dylan Cease, and some of these Cy Young favorites, like that's that's very encouraging. I, I'm I'm not sure what the ceiling is for, for him. You know, I really am curious about where that kind of goes moving forward. He's 26 years old, 27 years 26, old. 26, yeah. Yeah, and um, so, you know, maybe a little bit, he's not 23, right? But like, but I think that maturity has served him well this year, and the fact that he's proven that he can continue to learn and develop uh, and grow, and also learn from guys like Stroman and Smiley and Wade yeah. Miley and Kyle Hendricks, and um, I think that's all like very, very good stuff. Yeah, it absolutely is. Now, before I let you go, I got just a couple extra questions here. Here are your three options: um, new contract, new team, no change. Those are the three options. I'm going to give you a few players and let me know what you think. Okay. By this is assuming opening day 2023. Does this player have a new team, a new contract, or no change? Got it. Ian Happ. Hmm. I'm gonna lean towards no change, which isn't fun. Um, but I, if you had asked me a month ago, I would have said new team. I thought that there was a solid chance that he was traded even, like I said, by this deadline. Um, and then even after that, I thought there was a pretty good chance he would be traded this winter just because the Cubs have a decent amount of prospects coming up that play outfield. Right. Like Brennan Davis, Alexander Canario is on the 40-man and in AAA. Um, PCA. So I think that, yeah, PCA and he was dominating high A right now. I'm sure, I don't know if he'll get a taste at double A later this year or uh, to start next season. So he's still probably a couple years away. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the Cubs have a pretty crowded outfield picture right now considering Sato Suzuki, Morel, Velasquez, etc. Um, but I do think that he stays. I think that he's also a guy who stepped up as a, as a veteran leader and stabilizing presence in the clubhouse and in the lineup. And the fact that he switch hits and the Cubs don't have 
too many left-handed options offensively, I think that that's really valuable. And, and just what we've seen, I mean, he's an all-star, right? Like, and very deservedly so. And the one thing that has been down from him this season, power, has actually spiked here in August, where, you know, I think he only had one homer in July and has hit six or seven here in August. So, um, yeah, I'm going to say no change. I'm going to think that he is on the Cubs in 2023, hitting in that 2-3-4 spot in the order. All right. How about Wilson Contreras? God, that's another tough one. Uh, I'm going to say new team, but I'm more confident in no change, meaning he'll still be with the Cubs, than I was uh, really at any point in the last couple of years. Like, I think that um, for all the reasons I kind of laid out earlier, it's possible that he accepts a qualifying offer and is on the team next year. Maybe they do work out an extension. Um, so I think those are kind of the paths to success. Ultimately, I, I think maybe some team out there will end up paying him a decent contract and he knows that and, and declines the, the qualifying offer and winds up on a new team and the Cubs move forward with, you know, maybe a PJ Higgins, Jan Gomes uh, catching tandem until mm-hmm. Miguel Amaya is ready. I, I can see that. I think that's probably a little more likely of, of possibility. All righty. How about Nico Horner? We mentioned him just a couple minutes ago. Uh, so what were the options again? It was new team, new, new contract, contract or no change new contract i do think that he gets an extension i uh i've joked with colleagues i, I my bold prediction for the offseason i think the cubs are going to make a trade trade away some of these prospects for a piece and i think that they're going to sign nico to an extension for this offseason okay i like it i've got two more for you for this game um patrick wisdom uh i'm gonna say no change i think he's a he's a legit power bat that can play third and obviously at first uh, as well, and, and you know, solid defender, good guy in the clubhouse, um, a guy who's also going through his first big league season and has proven, you know, while Rafael Ortega and Frank Schwindel have taken some steps back this year, I think Wisdom is a guy that has actually taken steps forward. He still has the same pop, maybe a little bit less, but that's at the expense of contact. He's making more contact now, and uh, you know, that's that's a better thing. He's not striking out 40, 41% of the time. It's more like 32, 33% of the time. And really, even since the beginning of the season, it's more like about 30 or, or just slightly under 30. So, um, yeah, he's a guy definitely that I think is going to be a part of the, the team at least next year and maybe even for a couple years after that. Fran Mill Reyes. I think he's back next year as well. I think the Cubs had a when they claimed him on waivers they basically looked at it as like two months to evaluate him mm-hmm. well that first month is done and, yeah. and he's been as advertised so um he's a big personality they like him in the clubhouse uh you know and that that like legit dh option and, and power bat is something that this team has been missing and they like a lot they like that instant offense and uh, when you have guys like Madrigal and Nico who make good contact, you need some guys like Wisdom and Reyes who can put the ball in seats. Uh, and then guys like Happ and Suzuki are a little bit of a mix. I think that's really kind of your best recipe for success for the offense. And, and a guy like Reyes absolutely does that. So I think he's back next year. And he is under team control for two more seasons after this year too. So I think uh, I think he's a guy we'll see again. And I've got one more for you just because I was taking a look at the numbers and he is just been quietly really really good drew smiley yeah that's i mean this is a good question he had a sub one era and five starts in august for a guy that i thought was going to be traded so Mm -hmm. um i think a lot of teams are kicking themselves around baseball now because 
he's a guy who's also shown that he can relieve as well. So you're talking about a left-handed option to start a relieve. Um, definitely thought he was going to be traded. He wasn't good for the Cubs. It's worked out here. I could see him coming back. Uh, there's a mutual option. I don't know exactly the terms of that, so I don't know if that's the route they're going to go. But I can see the Cubs bringing him back for rotation depth, especially with maybe some question marks around Hendricks. And, um, I, you know, basically, I think either Smiley or Miley, Wade Miley, will be back next year as rotation depth. Probably maybe a little more likely that it's Miley. Um, so I'll say new team for Drew Smiley, but I do think that there's a, a path to him returning as well. All righty, and, and you look kind of up the middle, and you, you mentioned this a little bit. Nico Horner, we feel like he's going to be somewhere up the middle, not just for next year, but for years in the future. Christopher Morell can play second base. He can also play third. Nick Madrigal, too. But all of the rumors and some of the reports that are coming out about this free agent class, which is loaded with shortstops again, Trey Turner, Dansby Swanson, Carlos Correa, who might opt out of his Twins deal, and uh, Xander Bogarts from Boston. And a lot of the people around baseball think the Cubs get one of those guys. Let's say they do. Let's say they get Trey Turner. What does that mean for, for Nico, for Morel, for Madrigal? Would it be Madrigal at second, Nico at short, Bogarts at third, and Morel in center? Or how would you see that playing out? Yeah, it's a really good question, and it's the – the question of the offseason for the Cubs. I think the number one thing is is how do you add impact talent? And like you just said, if you're adding it on the offensive end, those are the four guys that are they're probably the four best position player free agents out there. I, you know, there's maybe one or two other guys you throw in that list. Oh, but judge, I guess, but if he reaches yeah. the the open market. True. Okay, that's a good point. So those four shortstops plus Aaron Judge are the top five position players and offensive players on the market. You want to go out and add one of them for sure. And I think um, it, you just need more talent and you need more impact talent. Mm-hmm. You need more guys that could contend for MVPs. And, and I think Correa, Turner, Judge uh, are can do that, even Bogarts to some extent. And then Dansby Swanson is a very good player himself in his own right. So I don't know how it's going to play out. Definitely the most interesting storyline of the offseason. But I do think the versatility of some of these guys are – uh, you know, like a tool in the tool belt for the Cubs. Like, because Morel, maybe he does end up in center field, or probably more likely he bounces around and plays three or four different positions, as we've seen him play pretty routinely in, in a rotation here the last month or so. That's probably more likely for Morel. Um, but yeah, if you had a shortstop, then what do you do with Nico Horner? Like, maybe it's a guy like Bogarts, like you said, who moves to third and Nico stays at short, Madrigal mm-hmm. at second. Maybe that's the option. Um, if they don't bring back Fran Reyes, then you know you could rotate guys and give give guys a day off their feet and have them DH. Uh, you know, have like Nico DH for a day or Bogarts DH, for example, or Trey Turner or whoever it is. I think those are the options that they'll have to figure out. Honestly, I mean, I think you know even a month ago, one of the options would have been maybe parting ways with Nick Madrigal or seeing if he could get in a trade, but. He's looked like the magical of old in August here, hitting right. over 300 in the month and getting on base at like a 380 clip and playing good defense. So, um, yeah, definitely a very, very interesting storyline to watch here. But at the end of the day, I mean, the Cubs just need to get impact talent and figure out where everybody plays and, and how they fit afterwards. That, that's kind of a future Cubs problem. The first thing is adding those right. impact star players. Yeah, the, the fact that Horner, Morell, and Madrigal are all playing pretty well as of late certainly is is a good problem to have I think in this situation and I want to 
maybe go back to your other bold prediction. Let's say the Cubs sign, you know, a big shortstop. Could maybe part of that prospect trade include a Morel or a Madrigal? You slide Horner over to second and go get somebody bigger? Uh, it could, certainly, yeah. I I think, you know, the Cubs have a lot of guys they have to protect on the 40-man roster this year at, who are Rule 5 eligible, and, you know, that's going to mean losing out on some interesting guys or some guys that we didn't necessarily see coming. Um, and then, like we said, there's a glut of outfielders that are pretty close. If you consider Suzuki, Hap, Morel, and Velasquez all under contract, then Brennan Davis and Canario are close. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know what they do, but certainly I could see maybe one of those guys going in a trade. Um, I could see, honestly, I think, and this is just a prediction in my opinion, but I could see the Cubs trading maybe one or two prospects or maybe a young player who's proven like Velasquez or Morel or something like that or Madrigal. Um, who's proven to, to have success in the big leagues, maybe they trade them for an ace-type pitcher, you know, going on and getting a top-of-the-rotation starter. Mm-hmm. Um, I could see something like that, too. So I think there are a lot of options at the Cubs' disposal, and that's the way Jed wanted to build this this um, this farm system out. They wanted prospect currency, and they have that now. They have young players that they could trade away, um, and also just depth in case of injury, in case of, you know, say Morel takes a step back next year performance. Well, like you have other options on the infield and outfield to, to cover for that. So they just want to give themselves options and different paths they can go down. And I think they've done that. I think they can pretty much, you know, call their shot this winter and go down whatever road they want to go down to make this team better and to add star power for next year. Yeah, it looked pretty bleak last year at the end and and early this season but it's kind of starting to turn where you do think there might be some light at the end of the tunnel there so tony thank you for coming on the show i really appreciate it hopefully we can get you on maybe once toward the end of the season or during the off season yeah sounds great thanks for having me all righty well that'll do it for this edition of the cubs corner as always brought to you by coaches bar and grill and available on apple podcasts soundcloud and the cubs hq website but for now thank you all for coming to the cubs corner